Hello and welcome to the Vorthos cast. I'm Lorelai Weissel-Labrizzi. I'm Brian Dawes. And I'm Chris Delano. And we are with you this week on a very special day. Uh, if Shout out to our live listeners who are going to be a little time displaced for this next comment. But uh, hello to everyone else who is listening to this on or after its actual publication date, Monday, March 28th when the first new Capenna story is out, which I'm so excited for. Really, really, really can't wait to get talking about the set. I hope y'all enjoy the stories. There's going to be a ton of story over this week. It's very exciting. Uh, we also had our preview for Magic the Gathering Dungeons & Dragons Commander Legends Baldur's Gate. Battle for Baldur's Gate. Did you type out that whole thing, Chris? Uh, I did, because uh, that's the full title of it. It's uh, It's got a bunch of words. Uh, yeah, the, the next Commander Legends product, uh, uh, was announced last year. We got, uh, the first look intended for retailers, uh, today, uh, uh, they were recording this and, uh, we got basically a, a lot of, uh, dice rolling and, uh, the monster manual type frames, except they're going to be on spells now too, are returning from Adventures in Forgotten Realms. Um, we've got a Minsk and Boo Planeswalker card. There's a version of this that's going to be an alchemy release on Arena. So a bunch of these cards and some new cards would be showing up on that digital platform. Um, I hope they learned a lot from the first Commander Legends, which was IMO kind of miserable to draft. I get what it was going for, but there's just not enough ways to push damage through anything. But, uh, Looking forward to seeing mechanically how this set iterates on on that idea, because I think the concept is great. And I'm excited to see what kind of things, uh, you know, familiar D&D things that weren't in Adventures in the Forgotten Realm show up here. I've already seen the Elder Brain, Fireball reprint, Lightning Bolt reprint. Um, you know, it's a commander-focused set, so promises to have a lot of legends uh, there's a ton associated with Baldur's Gate, uh, so we'll see what what that yeah. is like. One uh, one one major thing is that we are getting precons with it, and one of them is called Mind Flayers, and it's uh, you can see like a little corner of the art has got like a Mind Flayer, and the Mind Flayer has wearing a, a pirate hat. We're getting <laughs> Mind Flayer pirates. It's happening. I mean, oh, so like the way the Illithid Empire works in multiplanar space is kind of marauder pirate-like, so makes sense. Uh, I'm curious also how much that has to tie into, like, Baldur's Gate 3, which is going to be out, I think, supposedly this year. I don't remember if it has, like, an actual official official release date, but I thought it was supposed to be sometime this year. Um, we did see promotional art from the set with the Githyanki on it, and there was uh, one of... Uh, the uh, the main NPCs in Baldur's Gate Three is uh, Yankee Warrior. So uh, uh, and uh, there was a flavor text on what was the reprint? Was that the Reflecting Pool? Uh, reflecting Pool reprint had flavor text from Gale, who was one of the characters in Baldur's Gate Three. So clearly, something from that game is on the table for this set. I'm very curious to see uh, what shows up from from that game and other past D and D. Cannot wait. Um. I can't either, because it's very rare when sets come out that I know very, very little about. <laughs> um, they also mentioned the return of Command Fests, and I'm just looking at 
more variants popping up and going, eh, but. <laughs> yeah, I they announced it on the stream and I was like, they were like, at a future date, at some point, we're going to yeah. do command fests. Which and is like, like <laughs> that's very, very uh, smart of you not to say like a time frame because who knows? Yeah, we got to see what's going to happen. They lifted the mask mandate, so it's probably going to get worse generally everywhere. Um, but as always, focus locally uh, on on your on your things because there is a pretty big disparity between uh, what COVID looks like from place to place, uh, and uh, just 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 do your best to stay safe. But none of that is the topic of this episode, which I guess is something I should have mentioned earlier. Uh, today we're talking <laughs> about organized crime. Uh, we in our on our new Capenna lead up episodes uh, last week we talked about angels and demons and magic and uh, kind of how they've existed in magic history how they might exist in uh, new Capenna and, and this week we we're talking about you know similar things about organized crime um, streets of new Capenna is very blatantly inspired by 1920s um, urban mafia uh, settings these are our um, most stereotypically Italian mobsters, the Italian mafia was specifically Southern Italy, Sicilian and things, but that's, that's a whole other thing. Uh, but uh, this is not the first time that uh, something akin to organized crime uh, has existed in magic. It won't be the last. It's a uh, facet that appears in world building in a lot of planes. Yeah, I uh, I was excited for this topic when we, when we brought it up because, you know, uh, Magic the Gathering, as you said, has a long history of organized crime, uh, you know, not just in the game, but also in the real world. Lots of people love to do magic crimes. <laughs> uh, you know, sometimes there's fun stories about like, oh, you know, like people who uh, do things like try to embezzle a bunch of cards from card stores. Uh, but that's a whole different, whole different story. Uh, yeah. Some real in, in IRL magic lore right there, as they call it. I think IRL lore is just history, but you know what I mean. I mean, cultural things like folklore and myth and legend, I would also count as IRL lore. True, true. I was just thinking of like, uh, this is kind of a tangent. This might just get cut from the episode, but like a long time ago, Channel Fireball had a host on like all of their shows and was like deeply involved in like the company, uh, who, whose name was, uh, God, I can't remember his full name. I think it was like Tristan Scott Gregerson or something. Anyways, he was like a big face of the channel and a big part of Channel Fireball. And like one day they found out that he'd been like regularly stealing like 500 copies each of like expensive cards and just not putting them like when they would like crack boxes, he would just take the pile of them so they didn't get put in inventory and he was like selling them separately on eBay and stuff for his own personal profit. Uh, and it was the funniest thing to me because like when that got found out, he disappeared. <laughs> like no longer on any content, nothing. And they even like removed his old videos. He was just wiped off the face of Channel Fireball. It was uh, incredible. Like, like cement shoes? Oh yeah, like some cement shoes. Erase. Because... <laughs> uh, Talk about good good mafia trope spaces, good things to think about. Uh, but yeah, let's talk about, like, wh- how are we defining organized crime? Because this is a thing that, that we all discussed in our little chat when preparing for this episode. <laughs> uh, and there are some, I think, really hot takes 
that I don't agree with here. Um, because there's lots of nefarious organizations and uh, lots of cults and assassins that are like, they're organized and they're doing criminal activities, but it's not organized crime. Uh, and so mm -hmm. uh, a, a, a big part of how we're defining this is organized crime in opposition to uh, a, a space that has laws of some sort that this crime is in opposition against. Um, generally in uh, a, a sense of um, not just... I don't know how to put this. I don't actually know what I'm trying to... See, the problem with autism, <laughs> by the way, is that like I have an idea in my head, and it makes perfect sense in my head, but trying to like actually say it in words is really hard, and sometimes it, this is a situation where I will just now ramble as a, a back system in my head is trying to figure out how to put the words together because I need to construct my sentences carefully so I can say what I mean because autism sure <laughs> makes brains go in certain specific ways. Uh, organized crime, as we might define it in a modern sense, also involves um, a kind of a sense of low-to-the-ground street crime, uh, thievery, murders, blackmail, things like that. Um, you can have organizations that are praying to elder gods to bring them into this reality and destroy the world, but that's a cult. That's not an organized crime. Um, and a, a group, a group can be organized and it can be doing crime, but yeah. it's not organized crime. Yeah. Britannica, Britannica.com de defines organized crime as organized crime complex of highly centralized enterprises set up for the purpose of engaging in illicit or illegal activities. Such as organizations, such organizations in the off, engage in offenses such as cargo theft, fraud, robbery, kidnapping for ransom, and the demand of protection payments. Yeah, like there, there has to be a sense that the crime is the reason for the organization, not like a means to an end to something else. Uh, money also probably generally pretty important, and I guess that brings up the the big topic of debate. Uh, you know, are pirates organized crime? I, okay, okay. Uh, I'm on the no side. I am also on the no side. But in, like in Magic's history, the most the majority of the pirates that we are exposed to are not actually organized crime because they are not actually in the face of any kind of like law force that is prohibiting their activities. We have like, well, I, I shouldn't say like. All right, so the the. The biggest set of pirates that we're exposed to is the Ixalan pirates, and it's kind of a free-for-all on Ixalan, right? There's, there are pirates in Ravnica. We don't get a whole lot of exposure to them. Like, we, we know that there are renegades that are, like, going against the consulate, but not all of them are pirates. There are pirates involved, but it's kind of a, a blurry line as to whether they would be involved with, like, we would assume that, like, they would be against... Uh, the consulate, but we don't know how organized that, that whole enterprise would be. Right, and and I think enterprise is a good word here because you can be a pirate and not be part of an organized network of systematic criminal activity. Um, and I think what's important, especially in the context of this episode, is that pirates are just, in terms of theme and trope space, not the same as urban mafias. Um not that urban Here's, mafias are the only way for organized crime to exist, but like in terms of the context of fantasy world building and storytelling, I my argument is that pirates are not the same. My yeah, 
my my statement is that uh, pirate a pirate is not necessarily part of organized crime, and pirates are not an example of organized crime. Piracy can be an aspect of organized crime. An organized crime unit, a a mafia, a mob, a criminal enterprise can include piracy as part of its activities, but I don't think I would consider just a pirate or a pirate coalition, like the Brazen Coalition is not organized crime. And I think especially on Ixalan, the the Brazen Coalition is in some ways a displaced people's rebellion uh, against the, the empire. Um, so they're kind of in their own sense, a na- like a, a national organization just without any borders, but that's a whole different Look, conversation. I've, al- I've also seen the state of uncleanliness in the bathrooms and high and dry, and those pirates are anything but organized. So we spend a lot of time talking about a group of individuals or, or, or a collective of, of people that aren't actually the, the focus of our podcast, so. We have a lot of other topics that more deftly fit into the classification of organized crime. So Yes, but it was important for us to lay down the law here and say that I'm sorry, Jay, pirates are not considered organized crime. I'm so glad none of the people who disagree with me are on tonight, because that means we win. That's how the bait works, by the way. If, if your opponents are cowards and don't show up to your word fight, you get to win and dictate reality. Um... Uh, but we can talk about some of the organized crimes that do for sure exist, and and especially in an urban sense, uh, which means we can just start on Ravnica. And uh, I actually want to start at the last point on our agenda, because goblin crime, this is the organized, the organized crime as it exists in the most modern sense, uh, ju- just exists in uh, both Krenko's Mob and then the Shadow Gang Brothers. Uh, there is a whole series of side stories about a mob war between Krenko's crew and uh, the Shattergang brothers, uh, Rickig, Gardagig, and Dargig. Uh, Dargig gets <laughs> killed by Krenko. Uh, the Boros uh, start like rounding people up uh, and, and making a bunch of arrests, but uh, the Shattergang brothers and Krenko are all, you know, these are crime bosses. They're slippery. They're hard to catch. Gideon gets involved. Um, Krenko shanks him. Uh, before getting arrested. Uh, I believe it's Krenko. Uh, it might be one of the Shattergang brothers. I don't remember exactly. But, like, Gideon gets involved in that whole thing. Legitimate crime wars. Um, you know, the Shattergang brothers is literally, you know, it's all for the family. You know? <laughs> uh, they're literally brothers. And, um, you know, I think yeah. Krenko's is, is, his, is his War of the Spark card where he's looting as this war is going on. Um, mm-hmm. He's uh, he's he's just a crime boss doing crime boss things with his goons. Um, they are uh, one of the best established pieces of organized crime uh, in Magic. Uh, although uh, the Demir are sort of organized crime. Um a lot of the crimes are. I think. I think the point about Ravnica is that uh, basically you can find crime being done by any of the guilds, oh, which are organizations. Yeah, for sure. Um, but if you're going to look at it, like that's the thing is like it's all kind of just part of their role within the guild pact and like within jobs and stuff on the plane. So like, yeah, I mean, you could say the the Rakdos are doing crimes, but like. They're actually just doing what the Rakdos do, you know? The the Demir are the only ones who do crimes, but it's not like they don't make a big show of it, you know? 
Like, they're not doing blatant crime. Specific with the Demir, though, is um, a consistent network of assassins for hire uh, and and spies for hire. Espionage is still a big part of crime. Um, there are moles. There are um, information brokers doing illegal industrial espionage for money. Like... This is the thing that makes it like not as organized crimey to me is the whole mind erasing your own agents part, which makes it a little more like spy network than organized crime. Mm -hmm. Well, Um, only if you're a a low rank person, like if you're Sadek or Lazav or someone, whoever's in charge, like it's an organized, it's an organization that you run. It's just all your underlings may have no idea what their role is in, in the organization, but it's still an organization that they are a part of. Yeah, it's like fuzzy line space. Uh, the other fuzzy line space is the Orzhov, uh, who certainly have protection rackets, and uh, the Obzadot is literally constructed like um, oligarchs of crime families. Um, they literally have a mechanic called extort, um, <laughs> uh, and, and have a lot of Catholic vibes. Um, but, like, they are also just actually one of the legal powers of Ravnica. Uh, they're, yeah. they are mostly like they are the actual official banks and um, a, a lot of the actual official property owners and managers uh, and, and, and property lawmakers uh, are, are good. Our goodest gay boy uh, Tomic is literally a uh, property lawyer. Um, and so, I mean, like, Lawyers in general also organize crime motif. So, like, there's a lot of crime <laughs> vibes, but they don't actually... The way the Orzhov exists in the world isn't actually organized crimey. It's just, it's, like, establishment. In a way, you can consider all capitalism as organized crime, but I feel like that's stretching a little bit, because organized sure. crime is actually fun. I mean, okay. my lawyers have informed me that I should not say the phrase, <laughs> organized crime is fun, so well, I'm so going to take the, that the, back. The big, the d- big difference being that um, hegemonic laws exist to uphold capitalism. It is the establishment. Um, yeah. Organized crime, as we are dealing with it here, is illicit and outside of those legally sanctioned exploitive markets. Um, yeah, speaking of things outside of legal yeah. markets. <laughs> that was a lot of jargon, which means we should probably start talking about Kamigawa now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, speaking of things outside of legal markets, uh, our last uh, set that we went to was Kamigawa, where we discovered that there is an illegal underground market for uh, tech and Kami-related things. Uh, it's kind of just like whatever gives you power, and it's being ran by uh, the Hyozen Reckoners, led by Satoru Umazawa. Uh, and we know that Kaito like worked with them, and his origin story involves him basically... like doing crimes for for the heroes and reckoners like extracting protection payments from someone by pickpocketing him and uh keeping an eye on tameshi who was apparently like they wanted to steal his tech and he was told to go break tameshi's kneecaps and take his uh designs from him so it's uh yeah that is like just organized crime that is classic you know old-fashioned mob mafia style organized crime well, so, and, and very specifically, this being an urban Japanese set, the Reckoners as they exist in this set, because the Reckoners did exist in the original Kamigawa, where there were more uh, a band of thieves, um, which is like proto-organized crime. Uh, um, but uh, the, the way the Reckoners exist in the Dynasty is very Yakuza-inspired. 
Um, so they, they're hitting um, a lot of those uh, same vibes and aesthetics. Um, they have, uh, you know, a, a big m- motif in organized crime is loyalty. Uh, loyalty to your fellow criminals. Um, and, and a big thing with the Reckoners is literal loyalty tattoos that are magically binding contracts that if you betray your Reckoner uh, leadership, you will literally get killed by your own tattoos. Um, and, uh, they play in that biker gang space because we have card games on motorcycles now. Um, and <laughs> biker mice from Mars is just like a thing. Um, I'm going to avoid going off on a tangent about the Hells Angels and organized crime, but, mm-hmm. uh, we could talk about motorcycle gangs some other time. <laughs> Next time we go to Kamigawa and we have more motorcycle rats, we can do a whole episode on motorcycle gangs. Yeah, but like... <laughs> The, the Reckoners here, like, hit all the classic uh, tropes based for organized crime. They're uh, doing a lot of black market exchanges of illegal uh, magics and technology. Um, they're doing this to enhance their own power and influence in their social space. They are doing it for just sheer wealth. Um, there are a lot of aesthetics of cool. When we, like, when we talk about organized crime as a piece of pop culture iconography. Um, the aesthetics of cool. Criminals are cool. Um, there, there are vibes. They are counter to uh, establishment. They are rebellious renegades. Uh, a lot of that exists in the Reckoners in this set, um, especially in a cyberpunk world where uh, you know organized crime often gets pitted as a uh an anti-hero against uh corporate establishments uh jay left a note here are ninjas organized crime question mark no moving on well, <laughs> uh, oh boy here we go <laughs> ninjas can be a part of organized crime being a ninja is not necessarily make like part they're not like intrinsically linked it's like being an assassin you can just be an assassin right you and might, a lot of yeah, a lot of, a lot of ninjas were just so <laughs> Basically, anything a spy does in European history, a ninja does in Japanese history. They're, they're essentially military scouts and spies, and sometimes assassins, and sometimes uh, specific types of combat training. Uh, sometimes they're just undercover agents. There are lots of different things that ninja do, um, and the way the world of Kamigawa exists, uh, some of those things that ninja do are part of these organized crime units so yeah there there's nothing about inherent about being a ninja that makes you part of organized crime or even crime at all um yeah they are cool though yeah there's uh yeah they've got the rule of cool down for ninjas right well Um, rule of cool that's what i was my my brain couldn't find the phrase rule of cool uh but yes that, that that is a big part of uh criminal aesthetics in pop culture and uh, uh, especially uh, in a context where the criminals are counter to uh, an oppressive establishment, which you see a lot in, in mob uh, fiction, uh, either, either in a way that uh, glamorizes the criminal lifestyle or um, carefully yeah. engages with the problematic nature of it while also making it diegetically seem appealing. Uh, so think about Scarface yeah. where like Scarface is not a movie about a heroic person. Uh, I guess the Scarface movies aren't about a heroic 
person. I don't know if a lot of people out there know that Scarface, the original Scarface, is from classic Hollywood, black and white. Uh, the Al Pacino version is a remake. Well, th- this is a good time for me to for us to move on to the next plane and for me to list out uh, some of the things that I think are important factors for organized crime to exist uh, within a story context. Mm-hmm. Like what makes something organized crime? You have to have certain factors. And so Kaladesh is the perfect setting for organized crime. I think it is better than Ravnica. It is better than Kamigawa. I think it, you know, it might. We I, Streets of New Kapina is built around it. So like Streets of New Kapina is going to be the best. But like Kaladesh has everything you need for good organized crime. It has an oppressive, corrupt government, which means that the crime bosses can pay off the consulate. They can, you know, do bribes and extortion, things like that, which is important to organized crime. Uh, they have a a tightly controlled resource in Aether, right? So, like, there's this whole thing that is, like, in very much controlled by the government, but could be found on the black market, which is sort of, like, the important thing that organized crime often makes a lot of money off of, is that sort of, like, controlling a resource that is otherwise controlled by the government in some way. Yeah, uh, which we see a bunch in mm-hmm. Prohibition-era America. Yeah, and then it has a a huge underbelly, not just, like, in the sense of, like, there are a bunch of people on Kaladesh who, like, live in these, like, dark places where it's, like, you are, you are, like, you know, in, like, a back alley or, like, living in sort of the shadows of giant buildings and things like that, but also, like, there is a whole criminal network on Kaladesh even outside of the organized crime just because of the nature of you know, a corrupt government and a limited controlled resource. So it's just like, yeah, it's perfect. Oh, yeah. In in, in Magic Story, they go to, like, the big crime mall. Exactly. And so, like, Gonti is the first one that we want to bring up when we talk about Kaladesh, and especially, like, the Aetherborn in general, who sort of, like, blur the line between, like, the socialites, the assassins, and then also the organized crime of Kaladesh. The Aetherborn kind of fill those roles. Um, and there's Gonti, yeah, who's like super wealthy. You you mentioned socialites and assassins mm-hmm. and organized crime. They all mingle always. That is a, a key part mm-hmm. of organized crime is also mixing some of that into legitimate businesses. Uh, you look at L.A. and Hollywood um, in, in the classical era. Hey, I wonder why so many crime movies, you know, in the mafia movies are getting made. It's because the mafia is getting involved in movie making as, as producers. <laughs> Uh, this is something is a huge part of Bollywood history is, is uh, Indian organized crime um, opening studios and uh, organized crime movies are like a huge genre, a uh, long time genre in, um, in historically and present day in, in Bollywood filmmaking because of that kind of influence. Um, that is when you have wealth and social influence and law enforcement can't touch you, you get to be rich with the other rich people who are mm-hmm. criminals in more legal ways. Um, yeah, and the, the Aetherborn on Kaladesh, I feel, are like put... They, they are basically a, a race of humanoid creature put on a plane and said, you are going to be the organized crime. Because they just... They they fit all of those roles, you know? Um, they do everything. But also, like, we did get Gonti, like we said. We also, like, know that the Aetherborn were deeply involved with the, the Renegades, um and like the you know the revolution on aether revolt and i think that is also something that 
can play very close to organized crime, but from a different angle, which is sort of an interesting thing on Kaladesh, where, you know, uh, a lot of the the ways that an underground revolution will function or like a, a you know revolutionary force of people is very similar to the way that organized crime will. And a lot of a lot of times throughout history, you have a like group of people who are very front facing, who are probably look very legitimate in the terms of like you can't really pin anything on them. But everyone knows that those people are leading some sort of revolution. Um, you see this a lot throughout history. And I think on Kaladesh, you also had that with people who were very like clearly, you know, uh, Yehini. They were very much a public face. And also everyone knew that Yehini was involved with the Renegades. It was it was just known information. But there's nothing the consulate would do because Yehini had money and also, you know, notoriety. And then they had their underlings like uh, Pia and Kieran Nalar who were just smugglers and smuggling is a huge part of organized crime as well so it's yeah god you could start an entire podcast series just talking about the intersections of organized crime and revolutionary politics but okay another aside real quick if you if you did not know about the great uh bolshevik bank heist go look it up and learn the history of the time that the bolsheviks during the the soviet revolution in in russia uh pulled off a bank heist in probably I mean, like, it was just a slapstick comedy as it happened. They got nothing from it at the end of it. Like, they did all of this work and committed what was one of the largest robberies in history at the time. Walked away with, like, basically nothing to to show from it. But that is an example of what would be considered organized crime being done by a revolutionary force. Yeah, that was, uh, you know, that was like Stalin's first big thing that he did was the Bolshevik main heist. Oh, is he Russian? <laughs> uh, he was Georgian. Actually, hey, when it becomes the Soviet Union, what's the difference? That that's <laughs> uh, a, we're not. Oh God, getting please, into no. any of those politics. <laughs> um, is it time to talk about the cabal? I think I think we should talk about the cabal. I think that they are <sighs> weird. <laughs> I'm gonna preface this section with uh, my long-standing distaste for the Otarian narratives in Odyssey and mm-hmm. Onslaught blocks. Because, Lordy, so remember at the beginning of this episode when I talked about, hey, cults, where you try to summon extraplanar entities to destroy everything for you, that's not organized crime. Because on one hand, that's literally what the Cabal is doing. Cabal, patri- Cabal Patriarch is trying to resurrect the Numina uh, to basically gain absolute power over over this world and then later the cabal gets resurrected and and literally brings Belzenlock back from the abyss uh and it's a whole thing uh but also at the same time they're doing a lot of things that are functionally organized crimey yeah the otarian uh, like the early early like on our odyssey block cabal are very much a a, a criminal organization that um that that functions in a way like any other organized crime setup would be um outside of the fact that yeah they have gambling pit fighting they they do smuggling they do all these things like and all of it is done in the name of the cabal who like it there it's very cultish in nature but they 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 their god is kuber and he values coin over anything else like even when he's resurrected in the uh, onslaught block books, um, like he he's all about making that cash on me. So yeah, 
I'm on the the I've on the opinion that even if they are cultish, they are very much organized crime and magic, and they might be the earliest example of it. Yeah, they're they just play in so much of the organized crime space, but then like also do the culty thing. It, it, it's just a mess, actually, uh, of world building, um, which is generally my opinion of Ataria. Um, <laughs> but uh, they, they are they are the big Dominarian example of an attempt at like fantasy organized crime, because like I understand taking. So, like, the thing about, like, the goblin crime lords on Ravnica is, like, other than the fact that they're goblins, they function essentially like just real-world organized crime. There isn't a lot of fantasy there. They're doing pretty mundane criminal activity, having a pretty mundane crime war. They're just goblins. Um, The Cabal feel like, hey, we wanted to start with this idea of organized crime, but also make it big, splashy, high fantasy uh, and I don't know, it doesn't work for me, uh, but obviously we put it in this episode because it is pretty topical to uh, to this whole discussion. The, the thing I think that makes the Cabal not, even though the early Cabal functions very similarly to organized crime, and you can say that the early Cabal is organized crime, part of the problem with organized crime on Dominaria specifically is that it is missing one of the like, it's missing the cornerstones of what makes organized crime really function in a story. There is no central oppressive government. There might be oppressive governmental or like corrupt government forces in areas of Dominaria, but there's no centralized one. So like you could have a story of organized crime taking place in New Banalia, for example. There could be an organized crime racket in New Banalia, but that's not Dominaria. That could that would be very local, and we just don't have those stories because you know the whole plane is huge. The big issue is the Cabal are the establishment power in Otaria. Yeah, yeah. Well, they they were conflicting with the, the Northern Order, and it, but also the 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 fact that the Cabal were also like you couldn't do your own crime outside of the the will of the Cabal in their cities. Basically, like Ixidor, for example. Part of the reason why he he kind of got off as bad as he did and was banished from the city is because like he was caught forging coins in the Cabal city to pay for their to, to like to gamble and earn more money so they could get escape from the pits. So like and he was punished for that for like this the forgery that like he was using all this money that he was creating with his magic. And they basically they killed his his wife in, in the pit fight, and he got he got got basically. So it's like that there isn't a power structure, even though they're the ones mm-hmm. running it in Cabal City and later Afedo. Um So it's like they are the power structure, but that that proves that the power structure itself is corrupt already, just because. Yeah. But you the, can't operate mm-hmm. outside of you. You can't commit crimes outside of their their will or their approval, I guess. You, you can't be the the mob if you're also the government. Like that's just that's not organized crime. That's just a corrupt government. <laughs> so that's the issue is like once the cabal like took over and had power, they they stopped being organized crime and just started being government. Um creepy government, you know, but government. 
un- unsurprisingly, the story of the Cabal is the story of Onslaught Block or Odyssey Block becoming Onslaught Block and things just increasingly going off the rails. Um, <laughs> in terms of like scope of narrative and ridiculousness of plot device. Okay, but before we move on from from Dominari and the Cabal, I do want to bring up Bolivar, who was the first interplanar smuggler just doing interplanar smuggling and and general thievery and crimes and i i appreciate him because i don't i don't think he fits into organized crime but he was a criminal moving on so thank you bolivar <laughs> yeah so missing the organized part uh yeah. and and i guess i guess we're gonna end our with our historical look at um uh, this good segue into uh interplanar crime with the infinite consortium uh just, just hands down, a interplanar organized criminal organization uh, run by Nicobolus uh, and then Tezzeret, and then was broken up and like maybe had some cells still working, and Jace maybe manipulating that a bit. It's really hard to tell. Um, but they they operated on an interplanar scale. They had uh, cells in various planes. So in the way uh, in the way that an organized crime will have. Um, you know, one criminal network might have establishments in various cities or various boroughs of one city. Um, the consortium has cells on various planes with their hub in Ravnica. Um, because, you know, Ravnica is a city and it's a good place to have crime. And uh, in addition to, like, the locals who worked in these cells, you had the planeswalker operatives. Um, people like Tezra and Liliana and Jace. Um, characters who get to go commit the interplanar part of the crimes, but also work with the local groups. They are, uh, there is this hierarchical structure of how it's, uh, it's built and established. There are, um, strata of information and responsibility. Um, it is against, like, we again run up to the, there is no, like, interplanar government, but also they're doing activity that is illegal basically wherever they are locally. Um, and so you have the consortium basically being the framework for the major interplanar organized criminal network uh, as, as seen in the novel Agents of Artifice. Yeah, they're they're honestly kind of boring, in my opinion, compared to all the other examples that we've talked about organized crime. Um, if only because they don't have... They have agents of artifice and they have like a very clear hierarchical criminal structure of, you know, the leader and underlings and like cells and stuff. But like, I don't know, they're just they do like a couple of things. They burn down a Nizumi village. It's just not uh, not as like fun to me as like the organized crime on Kaladesh or on Ravnica or Kamigawa. It's just, you know, something about being interplanar takes some of the fun out of it. That's just my opinion. Yeah. Um. So I guess I can't really talk about this next section, huh? <laughs> All right, Brian, you and me uh, looking to the future. New Capenna. There, are, there are crime families on New Capenna. We know that they are head, headed by a demon. We know that they are criminals. We know that there is organized crime. But like, what does that imply? And so I, I thought of some implications that we can, you and I only can look forward and think. What does it mean that there are going to be crime families on New Capenna? For the world of New Capenna. And this one hit me like a ton of bricks today when I realized that in order for there to be crime families, there has to be some sort of 
government that they are or, or like law system that they are breaking in order to be, you know, criminals, which means that like there's probably like a mayor of New Capena. Like there is someone who is there's like a government structure in that See, city. I, I, there has to be. I, I don't know. See, I'm getting this vibe. The fact that there's no one straight shooter family makes me think that maybe they're going down this whole cabal thing again. Maybe there is no straight man in this city. Like, <laughs> I mean, you know, really, there's never any confirmed straight people in Magic the Gathering. They could, that's, you know. You know that's not what I meant. Dang it. <laughs> um, like, I, like, the fact that not even, like, even if they could have made, like, Grixis the, 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 the main power structure in the city and the other families be crime families if they wanted to invert the color the typical color um identity um of crime and and magic like the fact that they're all crime families makes me think that i don't know that there is an organized structure or maybe all the monocolored stuff will be the indicative uh or will, will be indicative of being aligned with the, the the power of the city like the or like the police force or whatever is enforcing the law that these families are going against okay so either either there is like a central governmental body or some sort of law maintaining body uh, that is separate from the families or as kind of like you're you're saying could be the case all of the families are in some sort of accordance with each other to maintain quote unquote law and order of the city and the crime that they're doing is just against each other so like you know AKA one ravnica. faction is is hmm? aka ravnica part two yeah kind of like a ravnica situation um we know that by being organized crime uh there has to be some sort of crime that they are doing that involves some kind of resource like either money or something like aether or i don't know uh halo <laughs> So so there we have our resource. We can kind of just assume uh, this Halo stuff that they've mentioned a couple of times is like the thing that is being smuggled or criminally distributed. Does that sound correct? I mean, that, that makes sense to me. Yeah. Uh, I think Halo is going to be what the, the aether of this plane that everyone's chasing and trying to get their hands on. They're, they're going after each other, um, mm-hmm. trying to get it. Yeah, but it doesn't necessarily mean that it is itself any sort of like illicit or like illegal substance. It could just be that it is a substance that is important and these crime families have some sort of control over the distribution of it uh, outside of a normal like legal framework. So that's what I'm expecting. If they want to do organized crime, that's the way to do it. There either needs to be some sort of government body and law maintaining society that they are against, or they need to have some sort of accord with each other that they are playing against each other. And then there has to be some sort of regulated item, be it money or halo that they are somehow like smuggling and selling and doing protection rackets with. So that's my, my concept of what we're looking at. Yeah. I kind of agree with that. Honestly, like, I'm not going to lie, I'm, I'm not a big fan of the whole crime family thing, so we'll see how, how it plays off. I'm going to need to be super impressed with the story to, to really buy into it, but we'll see. Um, yeah, it, it's, I, I think what you, what you said was pretty much how I was envisioning this whole thing going out, but we'll see. 
I'm going to be honest, I super zoned out there. I didn't really <laughs> hear what any of y'all said, which is great because I can't comment on it. We'll talk about Nuka Pena soon enough. Yeah, as of today, we'll have a lot of information because uh, this episode will come out at 8.30 a.m. and the new story should drop sometime like around 11 a.m. Eastern time. So like, or 8 o'clock a.m. is when this episode comes out. It comes out whenever I post it, actually. Don't hold me to any time. I might post at 8.30. Who knows? Um... So yeah, we'll know by the time this releases, and I think that's really funny. And that's the history of organized crime in the multiverse. <laughs> <laughs> final final thoughts, Lorelai? Do you have any for this for this week? So uh final thoughts this week. This one starts with some backstory uh about the Destiny 2 community. Uh Titan players, uh Titan is one of the classes in Destiny 2. And uh, there is a joke going around uh, that or there, there is a joke in the Destiny 2 community that uh, Titans are so dumb, they think crayons are snacks. They eat crayons because they're colorful and bright and they think they're candy and they just eat these wax crayons because they're idiots, um, which is partially amusing because like the Titan characters, the canon Titan characters in the game are some of the most like intelligent and tactfully minded characters in destiny but um uh you know titans are uh titans are crayon eaters is is a thing that goes around uh i by the way am a titan main uh and uh my bestest pal vona uh who I, i play a lot of destiny with um was recently at the crayola factory uh on on a family trip and and they let you like customize a crayon wrapper. Um and so uh they brought back a uh a purple crayon because uh she knows I like purple. Uh and it has it has the date that she went. This is the color royal purple, and then it has a little heart that says itty bitty Laura snack uh for me. <laughs> and so I, I I have a purple snack crayon for, for me the Titan main and it's uh very sweet and uh very silly and uh very dearly and this is a very cute cute little gag gift uh, that I received. So it's royal pu- purple color. Is it also royal purple flavor? Uh I haven't tried it yet. Um it's purple so it's probably grape. True. Ryan, final thoughts. My final thought is uh I can't wait for Baldur's Gate D D commander set. I, I, I... <laughs> Super hyped. Uh, it looks like the commander decks are going to have planeswalkers. Not super fond about that, but we'll see. The the Minskin Boo commander looks interesting, so it might be my favorite set of planeswalker commanders so far. At least, if they all follow that, we'll see. But uh, I'm really interested to see what the pirate, <laughs> uh, the pirate uh, Illithid deck is going to look like. So. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I just can't wait. I, I want to see more characters from the Forgotten Realm stories that I've read uh, be introduced in the set. Like, I really hope Regis from the Companion of the Hall actually gets a card in the set because he got shafted in the last D set. So we'll see. Yeah, it looks fun. I'm excited for it. Uh, maybe I'll actually get to draft it. Maybe maybe the summer will come along and I can get my friends together and do a draft of Commander Legends. Couldn't do it last time because, uh, you know, the world. Anyways, uh, my final thought. Uh, you know, everyone's playing Wordle every day. And let you all know, today as of the day of recording, Thursday, March uh, the 24th, I got Wordle in two. Very proud of myself. Uh, but I also do this thing called Myrtle as well every day. 
it's like a murder mystery logic puzzle that's like randomly generated by like an AI situation or whatever. Uh, and it's like a little logic puzzle and it's very fun. And I encourage everyone to do it. If you want to do a Myrtle, I probably tweeted about it this morning. So you can go look at my Twitter feed and you'll see my my tweet about Myrtle. Uh, it's just really fun. I enjoy it. Easy little logic puzzles. If you're going to tell people to go to your Twitter, you got to say where your Twitter handle is, bud. Oh, okay. You can go to my Twitter. It's ChrisRD19. Uh, don't follow me or anything. I don't. It's don't. It's fine. <laughs> you can just look at the Myrtle tweet and move on. Um, if you like the show, though, you can follow us, the show, on Twitter at LaVorthosCast. Uh, no spaces. Uh, and if you want to support us beyond that, you can head to patreon.com slash the Vorthos cast and uh, start supporting us today and help keep the show running week after week as we bring you new episodes all the time. Uh, everyone who does support us on Patreon gets access to our Discord community where Vorthos is from around the world are having a blast. We are about to head into new story. We have new story. It's Nuka Pena time, which means if you want to be the center a Vorthos discussion about this magic story with people who are just as excited about it as your our discords where you want to be uh, for as little as one dollar a month you can help support the show and get a whole bunch of friends uh, tacked on for uh, a buck a month uh, I think that's a pretty darn good deal because friendships are priceless which breaks down the metaphor of money but don't worry about it because it's great value <laughs> We're the we're the Walmart of friends. <laughs> we are not the Walmart of friends. Come on. For for oh. as little as one dollar a month, you can make friends. It's the cheapest deal you'll have on friends. At least make it Target. <laughs> no, great value. It's the Walmart brand. Oh, <sighs> Regardless, we love you listeners. Y'all are wonderful. Thank you for listening. This has been the Vorthos Cast.